most, especially the responsibilities in this thing called ministry of reconciliation. And, and that word simply means restoring friendships. Restoring friendships. There's a relationship that we had with God in the Garden of Eden a long, long time ago. And that was somewhat severed because of sin. And God has invited us back through the healing power of Jesus and His blood to have a relationship with Him again. And our job, our responsibility as members of the body of Christ is to share that message with others and to bring people back into relationship with Christ and a friendship relationship. And that's kind of neat because a lot of people don't have the greatest relationships with their dad. Did you know that? Now, my dad, who said amen? Don't raise your hand. I'm but I want, I'm serious. You know, I'm always real sensitive to like Father's Day, Mother's Day, because some people love their daddy. Some people never did like their dad. Same way with mom. Some, now, it's a little harder to say about mom because most of us have a really good relationship with mom. It's just special. But there are some that's hard. We are called to bring people into a relationship of friendship again with God. He is our God who is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. His faithfulness and maintaining love to thousands extends through Christ and through us because the message is carried through us. And so he's called us. He's called all of us who believe in the name of Jesus with unveiled faces to reflect the Lord's glory, to be transformed, to be changed, go through that transformation, that lifelong change that takes us from being a person of the world to being more and more like Jesus every single day. I've been reading a book on discipleship. I read it several months ago. I reread re things occasionally because I liked them the first time. And usually when you read something the second time, you get what you missed the first time. So I'm rereading this book and I noticed there's a link to a, a, an article that talks about those who are in the church and the relationships we have with one another in the church and how very, very similar they are to those who are outside of the, of the realm of the church. And it talked about the relationships that we have with people, like marriage relationship. Guess what the divorce rate is in the church nationwide? It's about 50%. Guess what the divorce rate is in America outside of the church? It's about 50%. And there are a number of other statistics that are in this article that talk about the fact that there's very, very little difference in statistics with those who are in the church and those who are not in the church. And it caused me to wonder, and the whole purpose of the book being written is caused us to wonder what in the world is going on in the church. And why are we not much different than the rest of the world? And I think that's an important question for us to consider. One of the unique differences between us and the rest of the world relates to the story that we're going to talk about this morning. When Jesus had crossed over, he's on a mission. He's been asked to go to this man's house. Jairus, the gentleman who has come to him to plead with him that his daughter is sick. Can you come and heal my daughter? And Jesus is on his way. He's on a journey. He's going to this man's house to take care of this little girl. And then something happens along the way. A woman touched him. And when she touched him, she was miraculously healed. She had had this issue of bleeding, probably a menstrual uh, problem that she had had for years and years. And when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she was healed. And Jesus knew that she was healed. And I've never had anyone get miraculously healed by touching me. I'm just telling you, okay? And I don't know that any of you have. But I want you to realize that when Jesus was interrupted, he turned around. 
And that's really what I want to talk with you about this morning is about the fact that you and I go through life and we're so busy, we're so focused, we're so intent upon doing something that we have on our calendar to do today. And then all of a sudden there's this interruption that comes. Someone touches us. And we need to learn to turn around. Because it's in those moments of turning around is when the magic happens. And that's when the real opportunity for doing things in the name of Jesus happens. When you least expect it, when you're not prepared, when you're interrupted, when you just turn around. And I want to talk about that with you in just a few minutes because my fear is that, especially those of us who are still in the world of work, and I haven't retired yet, again, I will someday. We're closer than we used to be. But even when I'm retired, I suspect I'll have an agenda because I'm still married. And for those of you who are married and have a spouse at home, usually, guys, there's an agenda for you, right? Even though you don't go to work, right? This is yes. This is no. This is I have no idea what you're talking about, Ed. But I'm thinking yes. I'm going to have an agenda because I live with this woman who keeps giving me stuff to do. Even when it's my day off, John, she gives me stuff to do. Thank you. She's trying to organize me. We need to learn how to turn around because the world that you and I live in tells us we're supposed to be focused, 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 focused. Keep your eyes set on this. Go achieve this. And I want you to think about stopping and turning around just a moment. When Jesus realized what had happened to him, he stopped. So I want to just ask you this simple question. When was the last time you turned around when someone reached out to you? I just want you to think about that with me just a moment. When was the last time you turned around when someone reached out to you? And I don't necessarily mean that they actually physically touched your garment or touched you on the shoulder, but when is the last time someone interrupted whatever journey you were on? When's the last time you stopped to turn around and help them? Because that's an important question. When's the last time you were so focused on going somewhere doing something when all of a sudden someone touches you, they ask you, they interrupt you, they take you off of your journey. And what happened? What happened? I'll share the story with you. We were right in the middle of our second game of the morning. All of the residents from the Applewood Senior Center who had ridden the bus were enjoying their weekly trip to the local super Walmart for grocery shopping. And of course, a game of bingo. B9, G14, N37. I call those numbers really well. And I learned to pronounce them so well that even with my funny accent, they could all understand me. As the game was continuing, there was this lady who walked up right beside me. She stood a couple of feet away, but it was a bit uncomfortable because she just stood there and she looked at me. She'd look at the floor, she'd look at me, she looked down at the floor, she'd look at me, and then glancing back up at me, I suppose she was hoping that I would pause the game and say something to her. So finally, I did stop the game, and I, I, I just stepped over to her, and I said, may I help you? And she asked me, are you Ed? I didn't know her. She said, are you Ed? I said, yes. She said, well, you don't know me, but you know my mother and father-in-law. Charles and Ruth. And they've asked me to come here because every Tuesday morning they come here to play bingo. And I need to talk with you. And as she spoke, I could see tears welling up in her eyes. 
So I called out a few more numbers for bingo until someone finally yelled, bingo! And we stopped the game. And I stepped over to the side of the room with her and she began to tell me why she had come. Charles, her father-in-law, had become very ill and he was dying. And he and Ruth had asked for me to come and visit with them. I was curious as to why they wanted me to come and visit because in my mind, I was just the guy who drove a bus who took a bunch of senior citizens from Applewood to Walmart to buy groceries on Tuesday morning and to play bingo. But it was different for Charles and Ruth. I found out from their daughter that morning that for months they had been coming to Walmart every Tuesday to play bingo, but it had become much more than just a game. Charles had been a commercial construction superintendent all of his life, and he had drug his wife Ruth all over the country, moving in and out of city from one place to another, never staying for more than 18 months at a time, and they would generally move out about as fast as they moved in, and they made very, very few friends in their life. But now they were retired. And things were a little different. And believe it or not, they had found some great friends and something that they enjoyed together right here in a place called Walmart. Their trips to Walmart had become much more to them than just a few games. In their hearts, it was the closest thing to church that they had found or experienced in many, many years. So after a brief conversation, I wrote down Charles' address and promised to stop by later that afternoon for a visit in just a moment I was back calling out the numbers but my mind was many many miles away I couldn't help but wonder how coming to Walmart on a Tuesday to play bingo could have become church for a couple like Charles and Ruth I mean all we ever did on those mornings was drink coffee eat day old donuts and play bingo But then it dawned on me, it was a little different because several would hang around after the games were over and we'd drink some more coffee and finish off the donuts. So where was the last place and when was the last time you knew where total strangers could come together and have such a good time and share in the aches and pains of life and have someone care enough to actually stop by and speak with you for just a minute. And where else could you be walking by someone and they grab you by the arm and they tell you about their grandson who'd had a pretty bad auto accident or tell you that they were going in for tests to see if they had cancer or to get their medications changed because their blood pressure was all out of whack. If someone came into your circle of friends next week, How do you think they would feel? You think they'd feel as welcomed with you as Charles and Ruth were at Bingo and Walmart. Honestly, I can only begin to imagine the loneliness that Charles and Ruth must have experienced over the years without having a place to belong. Their church at Walmart had virtually nothing to do with doctrine or theology because no one ever really talked about doctrine or theology. 
But that little group of 30 or so folks didn't do anything but listen to each other's stories and often share a shoulder to lean upon or a word of encouragement to get all of us through another day. And certainly our faith was present in the conversations. And we weren't afraid to speak often of how the Lord had given us the strength to get through another day or another week. But the wonder of it all is this particular group of people And there it's okay to be you provided an environment that gave hope and life to a couple who had for so long been very, very lonely. So what have we created in our churches today? I can't help but wonder if Jesus moved into this community, if he would come here next Sunday. And if he did come here next Sunday for a service at our church, would he come back two weeks from today? I haven't done any exhaustive research to determine absolutely, but I don't think they had bingo on Jesus Day. But I do believe that if Jesus had an opportunity to sit around with folks and drink a cup of coffee and eat Dale donuts and just share the joys and the challenges and the struggles and the wonder of life, he would do that. And it could be church. Interruptions. They happen every day. And more often than not, we just walk right by them Our ears are not open to them. Our eyes are not able to see them because we are so focused on that which is before us and that which we have been called to do or that we at least think that we're supposed to be doing and we miss opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to become church. Now, it wasn't the end of the story for Jesus because he was on a journey and other things were happening all around him when he was on this mission. And your computer froze up, Mike, because I can't get it to advance. But there were some other neat things that happened. God had other things in mind. Because it wasn't just about the interruptions. There were other things that were going on. Jesus had a journey to take, and he made it to Jairus' house. And he told him, your daughter is dead, but why bother to teach him? Because that's what the people were telling him. But God has other plans. Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe, because he knew he was going to heal this little girl, even though everyone was saying that she had passed away, that she was dead. And so he let them laugh. And I'm here to tell you, people will laugh at you sometimes. They will. They will not understand you when you stop and entertain the interruption. They won't get it when you take time out of your day or time out of your week to go spend time with someone that is like, why in the world would you ever want to go do that? What's in it for you? Why would you take the time? Well, it's all because we're different than the rest of the world. It's because we truly are God's people and we are called to be like Jesus. And so when things happen all around us, even though we're on a journey, people aren't going to understand that and they're going to laugh sometimes and they're going to wonder what in the world is going on. You see, God knows all of the needs that we have. He knows the needs of those who are around us. And sometimes God will use you 
in whatever state or condition that you're in to bring the good news to someone else. I have news for you. Very, very, very few people will ever, on their own accord, pick up a Bible and find Jesus. As a matter of fact, I could probably count on one hand with only one or two fingers through all of my many years in being in the church and being in ministry, the number of people that I've ever known in my life personally that picked up a Bible and started reading and found Jesus in and of their own accord without any influence or input or comment or conversation with someone else. It just doesn't ever happen. And yet we go through life sometimes not realizing and not recognizing the opportunities that are all around us for us to be interrupted so that we can spend time with these people who for some reason, somehow, some way, God has interjected something into their world that's caused us to have the opportunity to be there and to be church. So the moral of the story is take time to turn around. Even when we're on a mission, there will be opportunities for us to stop and turn around and to help someone and to be with someone who needs us to be there. That's what God has called us to do. Jesus did that. I invite you to join into that journey. God wants you to turn around. And then the reality is, guys, we just absolutely have to have the heart to turn around. The gospel says in Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. And so this morning, with all due respect to everyone that's here, and not because I'm just the preacher, but because I'm going to use the words of Jesus, I'm inviting you to become those who are the workers who are going out into the field. And I'm even going to be so bold as to give you permission to talk to people and to do some of these things and to allow yourself to be interrupted with life so that you can experience the joy of sharing in the harvest. Guys, I'm telling you, before you get there, we're going to have to have a heart like Jesus. We're going to have to be able to see people with compassion. We're going to have to have the same heart of Jesus that caused him to look at them and to see them as harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd who didn't know where to go, who didn't know how to be fed, who didn't know where to get water and have to be led everywhere. The video that we showed a few minutes ago about the blind, the little children walking around with blindfolders on, guess what? Most people are living just like those kids when it comes to their relationship with God. They have blindfolders on. And we get to take the blindfold off and to open their eyes and their hearts to the message of Christ. There was a time in the history of Israel when they were lost. They were just all messed up. And Isaiah tells a story about this point in their history. In Isaiah, excuse me, chapter 41, 
There's a verse of scripture from 41:28 down through verse and chapter 42. I want to read this to you. I looked, but there wasn't anyone. There's no intercessor. There's no one to give them counsel. Their deeds amount to nothing. Their images are but wind and confusion. Those are the words of God about his people. And then here's God's response. Because God wants to provide an intercessor. He wants to provide someone to stand in the gap. And here's what he says to the people. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teachings the islands will put their hope. Does that sound like anyone that you know? I think that sounds like Jesus. God, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born of Mary, understood the dilemma of his people and he promised them a savior, an intercessor, one to come and help, one who could be interrupted. He goes on to say this. He said, this is what the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads the earth. I, the Lord, who have called you in righteousness, I will take your hand and I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Does that sound like anyone that you know? I think that sounds like Jesus. I'm the Lord and that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and the new things I declare before they spring unto you. I announce them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that's in it, you islands and all who live in them, let the wilderness and its town raise their voices. Let the settlements where Kedar lives rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord. And proclaim his praise in the islands. The Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal with shout. He will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. For a long time, for a long time, I've kept silent. I've been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out. I will lay waste the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetations. I'll turn rivers into islands and dry up the pools. I will lead the blind by the ways that they've not known along unfamiliar paths. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things that I will do. For far too long, we, this church, has been silent. And we need to be shouting from the rooftops. And we need to be shouting the glory of the Lord. And we need to be sharing his message and his words to all of those who are around us. And we get to do that when we allow interruptions in our lives. So this morning, I want to remind you uh, 
Jesus turned around. He turned around. And he turned around because it was interrupted on a journey. But that interruption saved a woman. And I submit to you that the interruptions that we allow ourselves to become engaged will save others. Because the message of the cross is the message of the cross. And as you and I go into this world, allow ourselves to experience the joy of Christ and being interrupted. The message is yours. We're going to sing a song here. Everyone needs compassion. Don't know a better song that fits this lesson than this one that Brandon has selected. Because everyone that you see this week and next week and the week after that, they all need compassion. They need the compassion of the Lord. And you and I are the ones who have been given the task and the ministry and the responsibility to look at them with compassion. So as you are interrupted this week, take time for the interruption. Take time for those who are around you. And remember, we all have a ministry of reconciliation to restore that relationship of friendship between man and God. Because if we don't do it, most people will never hear the message. Because they're not going to pick up the book and read it. We have to say something. Let's stand and sing the song and encourage one another as we close our service today. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of the Savior, the whole